0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buksev, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host Dr. Jenna Carmichael will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hi dear listeners, I am so excited to introduce my next guest, a like-minded soul who believes that chronic diseases don't have to be chronic, they are reversible and preventable with the right lifestyle choices healing is not one size fits all, which is why today's guest practices functional medicine and energy healing. We talk about getting to the root cause of inflammation, which is the key to disease reversal and it is accessible to all. Dr. Lara May is a functional medicine clinical specialist, master energy healer and channel, and international speaker who specializes in getting to the root cause of disease via functional medicine. She has worked in emergency rooms and adult acute care for a decade, counseling nurses, doctors, patients, and families about medication regimens and maximizing treatment outcomes. Due to her struggle with her own health, Lara started studying and practicing functional medicine in 2017. Lara's passion and mission to empower patients to take an active role in their health so that they can create their health on their terms. It was during the COVID pandemic that Lara decided to focus on helping type 2 diabetics understand and reverse their disease after she witnessed the increased death rates as consequence of diabetes as a comorbidity. Type 2 diabetes is completely preventable and reversible, yet its numbers are growing every year. Dr. Lara believes that if patients are given the tools and knowledge, they will make the right decision for their health. This is her mission. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I have with me today a functional medicine pharmacist and practitioner. She does a whole lot of other things. Um, So I want to welcome to the show Dr. Lara May. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's my absolute pleasure. We connected before this episode and I was just blown away by what you did in your journey and how you're practicing today, integrating a whole lot of modalities and everything from conventional pharmacy background, utilizing that part of things and biochemistry to energy work. So I really love that. And I would love to just learn about all the steps in between. But let's start with how you got involved in medicine and healing and how you became a pharmacist
2: my pharmacist journey sort of started by accident. I, uh, in undergrad, I focused more on plants. So I was working in the campus greenhouse. One of my first jobs outside out of, um, undergrad was working at a 25 acre greenhouse in central Florida. And, um, I ended up in the service industry working in restaurants and bartending and, and waiting tables. And, um, um, I did that for a while and I think my parents were a little confused as to why I had just committed all this time and effort to a college degree that I I wasn't using that much after I left, you know, the the greenhouse industry world. So um, they had a close friend that was a pharmacist that owns the local pharmacy. We grew up, I grew up in a really small town, so um, they were good friends with him and they were like, why don't you just go talk to him and see if it's something that you think you might like. So I did and um I you know then I started working in retail environments and then also a hospital environment as a pharmacy technician and then after doing that for about 3 years I did apply and go back to graduate school and become a pharmacist. So it was not a direct journey but um you know I think that early path with plants probably also helped pave the way for where I am now. Um, although of course at the time I had no idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah it's so interesting how life works and then we end up with a whole lot of interesting combinations and permutations so to speak and for me it was actually the reverse. I first went the conventional pharmacy route and then I ended up interning at a local herb shop and then did my advanced herbal training after that. So Awesome. Um, So how did you navigate pharmacy school and what did you do after you graduated?
2: So I was, um, since I already had my degree and I had like that four-year hiatus between undergrad and graduate school, I was very focused and motivated. And so my uh, the program that I um, went through was a three-year accelerated program. And so I was in and out in three years, super challenging, but really rewarding. And at the time, I really found that I really liked being in that hospital environment, the critical care emergency room environment. So I went on to do a residency in Reno, Nevada, and that's what brought me to the Lake Tahoe area. And so from there, just um, really, again, still focusing on critical care and emergency medicine. Um, The hospital I trained at is a level two trauma center. And then after that, I uh, got a job in Sacramento working for um, Sutter Health and who I still work for today, um, per diem and part-time. And um, I helped build their first emergency room pharmacist program. It was myself and another colleague working um, opposite seven-on-seven-off in a large downtown Sacramento ER, but not a trauma center. Um, but still, you know, plenty of going on and lots of people to help. And I just love that hands-on piece that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that pharmacists do. And that's really what I enjoy about being a pharmacist is that one-on-one patient family interaction, even the interaction with the clinicians, helping design treatment protocols, helping optimize care, helping make sure that we have, you know, the right dose for the right patient for, you know, the right disease state, you know, all those good things to even though, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this later, but, you know, Western medicine does have its limits, (laughs) but in the emergency room and in the critical care area, it really, Western medicine still really shines and really, you know, making sure that we get, you know, everything right, right off the bat. And so the patient gets well as fast as possible. But then also too, like once they are coming out of that acute situation, okay, now let's make sure that they understand the medicines that they may need to be on. What are they? What do they do? Why are they important? And um, how to transition back to that home life too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin. Uh, I mean, one is supporting health. Right. But in an emergency situation, we can't always control what happens to us and accidents happen and crazy diagnoses and mysterious illnesses happen. so we definitely need that emergency care. And it's a blessing to be able to lean on that. But certainly when you are discovering the root causes of what happened and what contributed to this acute situation, it's important to understand that there are some things that you may be able to do to prevent it from happening again and to control for those factors and variables that contributed to it. So speaking of root causes, you know what really got you interested in studying functional medicine?
2: So my functional path began because of my own challenges. Um, I developed, or at least I was diagnosed with IBS back when I was I was 23, I was still working in the greenhouse back then. And um, looking back on it now, I think one of the things that really instigated the, the flares, the acute flares that I was having, was probably all the chemicals that I was being exposed to through that all that greenhouse work. Uh, for s- such a large-scale commercial greenhouse, um, there's a lot of things that are sprayed on those plants to get them to be, you know, market ready. So um, I ignored it, the IBS, for many years, and I, you know, made do. Uh, I also had chronic migraines, and they would wax and wane, but. Um, in my early 30s, things started to become uh, a little bit more unmanageable. Things just started to progress in not a good way, and I wasn't really finding any real help. I was, of course, getting the symptom management from you know the the medicine, the pharmaceutical protocols that we put people on for both of those um, conditions, but they weren't really helping. And so I would still have the flares, I would still have, you know, an IBS flare, I would still have a migraine. And when they started to become more and more frequent, and more and more disruptive to my life, I had to do something else because Western medicine just was not able to support me. And I was not getting better. So um, I started looking into things like acupuncture, um, herbalism, functional medicine. And so functional medicine just happened to be the one that was the most um, available to me in my local area. And so that's what I gravitated towards first. And it was a chiropractor, a local chiropractor, um, who was a functional medicine practitioner. And she really helped me took the time to like dig in so like we did full hormone panels we you know we looked into SIBO protocols we did you know all sorts of things to really again like see where my system was you know obviously it was inflamed and you know multiple places but again looking for that root cause so um that was my first Introduction to it, and when I saw how powerful that could be, and how I was able to turn my life around, like health-wise, with it, uh, then I started like looking into it. Is is this like what is this? Who is able to do this work? You know, if like a chiropractor can do it, oh, maybe a pharmacist can do it too. And so, um, I actually also went to um, IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and became a health coach. And so I started my journey with that uh, health coaching, the integrative nutrition background. And then from there, I studied at Functional Medicine University. So um, again, layers, multiple little routes to get to where I am, but all of them, you know, like complementing each other and building upon each other along the way.
0: Yeah, sometimes we don't know what happens at the end of all those series of events and steps, but you know sometimes something beautiful can happen even out of something bad right that you could perceive as bad that you had an illness or you had these symptoms and these diagnoses but then that actually stimulated you and eventually got you on a path not only to your own wellness but being able to also now help transform other people's lives so we never really know in in uh when we're going through it what's going to happen but in retrospect we can actually be grateful even for some of the not so great things that happened along the way. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I love the functional medicine story, you know, that you shared from your personal life. And if you could just tell us briefly maybe how long that journey took because a lot of people are used to quick fixes, right? A lot of people are expecting results and maybe they've even gone to other practitioners in the past and then they're disappointed by lack of results. And often why we even turn to pharmaceuticals and drugs is because they honestly work pretty quickly, right? So if a symptom is bothersome, A drug is probably your highest chance of getting a quick result, but the problem is it doesn't really address what's triggering the symptom. It just covers up the symptom, right? So you might be symptom-free, but your body still may not be healthy under that symptom. So tell us a little bit about your perspective and your experience with functional medicine and how quickly can people expect results and how thorough the whole process is.
2: So I'm sure it depends on who you're working with and and their approach, because we're, you know, a pharmacist might take a different approach than a chiropractor, than an MD or an ND. So um, but I would say if you're committed as the patient to seeing and creating change, then you can see results in as little as a month. Now, will it clear up everything in a month? No. But you can start to see changes, which will, to me, it helps carry forward my motivation and my willingness to keep implementing change. So for me, I started with eliminating gluten. And I did that for 28, 30 days a month. And I felt a lot better. I'm like, wow, this is the best I felt. And, you know, and that just that one thing to being so powerful was enough t- to open my eyes and open my willingness a little more. And so for that, for me, the next step was okay, now I'm going to eliminate dairy. And that really was life changing. I, my entire life, I'd had chronic sinus infections, I had cyclical acne, especially with my cycles you know, um, a constant like, like flumminess here in the base of my throat. And I never knew why. And as soon as I got rid of dairy, all of those things cleared up. At the same time, my migraines started to again, like abate. And, and my GI system started to become a lot more calm and consistent. So that those two changes was just two months of time. After that, I, like I said, at this at this point, I was in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition program. So I was also trying a lot of things on myself as I'm going through the program. So I did do a period of no sugar as well. And or if I did have any fruit, it were they were very low glycemic fruits because I didn't think I had a candida problem, but I thought, well, it can't hurt just to, you know, like I'm already on this roll with these things, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep going and just see how much better I can keep feeling. And so that was also really helpful and really powerful. Um, in terms of working with the functional medicine practitioner, uh, she was supportive of the dietary changes that I was making. And then she was supporting me with supplements. And we were doing some hormone testing, like I mentioned before. And so there was that piece that uh, sort of complemented everything else. So it was definitely, and I would say like for anyone out there that's curious about functional medicine, it's definitely a multi-directional approach. Like, yes, we're looking for root causes, but we're also helping the body rebuild itself. And we're a whole body, (laughs) like all of our systems work together. And that's one of the beautiful things about functional medicine is it looks at the whole body as a system. So even though I had a thing with my GI tract and a thing with my head, you know, they're connected and anything else that was going on with me is, is all connected. So I would just encourage people to keep that in mind when you're working, especially if you're like, well, why are they, you know, talking about this thing over here when obviously my problem is this thing over here, just trust (laughs) and don't be, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that's one of the great things about functional medicine practitioners too, is that we all want to help educate and teach and help our clients have a deeper understanding of, of their body. So. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: You touched on several topics that I'm wondering which way to go, but let's (laughs) talk a little bit about the belief and the trust that you mentioned. So I think this is such a key element that the person, the client, the patient has to really get on board with the modality and the system and the approach in order to enhance the results, right? And then also when they see there's some results that also enhances more adherence, more compliance, more motivation, like you said, to keep going. Um, so when when you're able to demonstrate either by you know, teaching a concept or by them seeing results, it's really going to help them get to the next level and get on board with the next thing. And then again, reestablish the belief and the trust. So I think it's just underutilized at this point. We know about placebo, we know about nocebo, but we're not really using it to our advantage. We're just measuring up against it all the time in studies. So I think this is why, you know, Joe Dispenza's work is so beautiful and quantum physics and the secret and all of these concepts that really this is so important. And this also ties in the mind body connection and the response that you can have in the body and in the mind by having the multifaceted approach so if you're you're doing the education you're doing the changes with the lifestyle and the diet and then you're also retraining your neural pathways to rebuild that you know belief in yourself the trust that this is working and all of that and it's just missing in so much of the conventional modalities that we just take it for granted okay this is the guideline you know this is the drug this is the next step and so we all believe that and we practice it because it's been established by the guidelines but for a person who is a patient they don't really believe know what to believe and if the system has failed them in the past they have no reason to believe so i think we definitely need to educate both ourselves and the clients so they can get on board and get excited just like we're excited to help them so that they understand the theory behind what they're doing and then they also um, get motivated to follow through with the practice and then they actually do see the results. Um, okay. And from what I've seen, it's it's sometimes, yeah, counterintuitive. Like, why are we looking at the thyroid <laughs> You know, when my problem is XYZ? So it's that missing piece that we, we're we not always communicating our, what our approach is. And I think it is important not to say that if somebody doesn't know, you know, the mechanism behind the healing, that healing can't happen, but to say that we can actually influence it by what we believe.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so I will say... A part of my journey also um, from 2014 is when I started to study and practice Asui Reiki. And then after that, Angelic Reiki. So I, and the reason I chose those things is because I, again, I saw benefit fairly quickly when I just, I started as a client and then I was curious. And so I became a practitioner And then a master teacher, and so again the stepwise levels and the unfolding, and okay, ooh, Asui was fascinating, and it opened me up in this way, and now I'm curious about. um, Oh, I took an angelic angel card reading course, and so from there, when um, it there was this opportunity to study and practice angelic Reiki from my same teachers, I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I want to do that too. Um, So. I opened myself up to the possibility of the vastness of our universe on an energetic level around the same time as I started this functional medicine healing journey on my own. But I think what you said is so true is like we, if we're open to the possibility that's all it takes is just that little bit of door or window opening for the light to come in and, you know, be like blown completely open to the light and um to really be able to experience miraculous healings. And Joe Dispenza, even though he is a man based in science and research, he, he talks a lot about miraculous healings. And uh, they happen a lot at his workshops because people are so in tune with that healing vibration, that they are bringing that in with deliberate intention. And they have finally opened themselves up to that possibility that yes, this is possible. And so I think it's so important, like you said, like with Western medicine, it's a little bit easier because the medicines are studied. Yes, they're studied. But I think a lot of people would be surprised at how shaky some of the evidence is with things like SSRIs or, (laughs) or some other medicines out there that actually haven't proven to be that effective at all. But because we tell someone they work, that placebo is very powerful. And, you know, so if we can use the placebo in, in Western medicine, in studies like that, then why can't we use it for our own benefit of healing naturally? I mean, And yes, it's a name that we give it. It's called placebo that's, you know, science named it that. But I mean, really, we've been healing ourselves for ages. Like we, I am a true believer that our bodies are our own best healers. We just have to give it the chance, the tools, the support and the space.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And what I love to point out too, is that there's more than one way to heal, Like you can go and get benefits from a variety of different modalities, both both Western and Eastern. So I think it has to be this individual approach because everybody is different and they're at a different level of their own belief and also their awareness around their belief and around what they respond to and what possibilities they're open to. So once we understand what they're open to, you know, for some people, they don't need to know. They just trust and, and they get better, right? And other people, like I said, they may have all of these ideas about, like, how it should happen and what it should like and what kind of things will work for them and what they dismiss, and that affects how it does happen or doesn't happen for them. So I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a matter of uncovering somebody's awareness around holding on to specific patterns and beliefs, and sometimes somebody's more open and somebody's less open. So so we need to really find the right approach that speaks to them, that they would be able to accept it as their path to healing. Um, So how are you integrating these modalities coming from kind of a scientific background, also having worked with plants, being open to plant medicine, learning about iin mind body connection different dietary theories and then also being a reiki and angelic and sounds like a psychic healer as well
2: well (laughs) i um like i said it's a journey and i just love what you said about i'm I'm sorry i'm going to take it back a little bit (laughs) to um you know, meeting people where they are, I think, and that's one of the things that um, each one of the steps that I took along the way was met me where I was. And so I, and to answer your question, how do I integrate all this well, it depends on the client. So some clients come to me and they already, you know, have experience with Reiki or some sort of energetic medicine. And they're like, yes, I want to do them both together at the same time. And so, you know, like, we'll, we'll do the functional medicine assessment and evaluation. And I will, you know, we'll work through the foods and we'll design a personalized plan, see if there's any supplements that they need to support them. You know, what testing do they need? All of those things that we consider, I guess it's funny now that we can consider it classic functional medicine, even though functional medicine's not that old. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then there's also, okay, we'll schedule the time, you know, where they can be in a quiet place to receive the Reiki. Reiki and energy healing transcends time and space. So I don't have to be in the same room with my client for them to receive a powerful healing benefit from it. So there's that. But then I have also plenty of clients that come to me and they're like, I don't want any of that woo-woo stuff. <laughs> Let's just, you know, like they want to see the on-paper stuff. So they want to do the testing. They want to, you know, they want that personalized protocol. And, and that's fine because like you said, We all have preconceived notions and that's okay. We can change those if we want, but we also don't have to change those to, again, if we have the openness and the willingness to have a healing, to receive a healing, to be able to heal ourselves. And so it's just about meeting clients where they are. And so I provide both services individually, but also in combination and um, I I just love being able to do that and help people in that way.
0: Yeah. What I love about what you said is exactly what I've been picking up on along your journey is that every time you were ready for something else, that opportunity came up and it was almost like uncovering and giving yourself permission to go towards what's calling you and what you're opening up to, right? Because Sometimes we are afraid to tell ourselves, okay, yes, I'm feeling called to do that. So I'm going to go because we're afraid other people are going to judge us. Like, what is everybody else going to say? I'm a pharmacist and I'm studying energy healing, right? Or, oh, our clients going to come to me if I offer both woo-woo and science and functional medicine? So it's a lot of uncovering the layers of you know, what is blocking me? What is actually calling to me? What am I actually drawn towards? And giving myself permission to just keep going there rather than blocking myself off in this box of, okay, no SIBO. No, this is not gonna work. I shouldn't, I couldn't, and all of these things that we mostly just create out of fear of judgment from others.
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely. There was a lot of fear and uncertainty, um, especially. Once I got to the point of, okay, I was like nearing completion with the ION certificate and then, oh, okay, ugh, um, I have these Reiki certificates. What am I gonna do with them? Do I need to do anything with, you know, all the questions. So much of yes, thinking about like, what will the outer world think of me? But then also like, how am I judging myself? And, you know, with these preconceived notions, what expectations am I putting on myself? And is that even what I want, like, coming to that realization that I have the power to choose and create what I want, what it to look like, what I want it to evolve into how I want to put them together, or not at all, um, you know, and how I want to present these things, both to myself and the people that I work with. So that was definitely part of the journey. And so anyone out there, if you're questioning or you feel like maybe life is calling you in a different direction, I would say just try it. You know, like there's nothing is ever set in stone. I think the only thing permanent about this life that we're in is change. (laughs) So if you don't like something, you can change it. And the next moment you can change it again.
0: Yeah, I think that's about the wisest thing I've ever learned is that the only constant is change. And like you said, nothing is permanent. So why can't we just kind of have fun and experiment while we're here and we just really don't know? And most people, what they regret at the end of their life, if they have a chance to reflect back, is not doing something that they wanted, right? You're never, you usually don't regret something you did. You regret not doing something that your soul was really calling you to because you stopped yourself, right? So it's kind of like you're limiting your own expression. So it sounds like it was definitely an evolution for you to be able to kind of step in to an aligned path for you. So... What can somebody expect when working with you now? How does it look like to work with you? So
2: right now, the way I approach the whole healing journey is honestly, I just ask. So when someone comes to me, I ask like, what are you looking for? Um, What are you open to? If this is something that you maybe you've never tried before, but you're open to it, we can definitely incorporate that. So it can be anything like, let's say um, I usually, especially for new clients, I, I do a 90 day package and that will include uh, food sensitivity testing, nutrient deficiency testing, toxic load testing, and then we'll start usually a clean eating protocol, depending on where you are and what you've tried in the past. We'll design a personalized food plan as and specifically around your results and then supplements and then once we have all of that together and you're trucking along then we'll also we can also include um a couple of reiki sessions or um you know i so i i've been trained in so many different energetic modalities it's hard for me to actually say like what i do is just reiki because um i'm a trained channel so i work with you know like my client's higher self and their guides and their angels and and so i have these um these ways that i can go in and clear things and bring these awarenesses up for the client to be able to acknowledge and then release. And so there's so much that we go through in our lives that we store in our bodies and we don't process. And most of us are very unaware. And, you know, even through doing this work for many years, I'm still learning things about myself and like little things that I've hidden in different places in my body are like thoughts and beliefs that really aren't mine that I've, um, you know, internalized and perpetuated. And so um, is the work ever done? No, probably not. But it gets easier along the way. And, and the more of it we do, um, it becomes light, like lightening, like lightening up and freeing. And um, I think really rewarding as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's ever like a stop like, okay, now you're a perfect human and you're perfectly healed and whole. We're always perfectly whole and human. So it's about like recognizing that we are already, you know, a great person and a being and a complete being. But if we have physical discomfort and symptoms or emotional baggage, or we don't feel great, then continuing to dive deeper and deeper to uncover what those blocks are, and like you said, kind of liberate yourself and and feel like a more aligned version to who you truly mm-hmm. feel like you should be. So, um, so that's definitely like a lifelong journey, and we get to play with that while we're here. Um, so I kind of want to ask you from what you said, you know, you've been training all these modalities. Do you feel like anyone has the potential to get trained and be able to channel using these modalities or does there need to be a specific, uh, like potential that some people just are more open or can you train yourself to be more open?
2: Anyone can learn. Anyone can learn, especially, again, with the slightest willingness. Anyone can learn. Are some of us more open already? Maybe, depending on how we were brought up and, again, different experiences we've had through our lives. But any of us can learn. I, you know, um, I, again, to the, the courses and the modalities that I've been trained in were because, I truly feel like the universe brought them to me. And so there are other things out there too that I haven't studied, like theta healing. And, you know, so, um, and, you know, very powerful, different, um, I think there's also like one called quantum healing, a modality. And so I would say like, if you feel called, follow that calling. And that's not a word I use lightly, because I grew up in a very um, religious upbringing. And so that word calling in the Christian tradition, um, I never really understood what it meant growing up until I started doing this work until I found myself being drawn away from traditional Western medicine, both as a client and a practitioner. And I couldn't understand it, but I knew I just had to keep going. So if you feel that pull, that draw, follow it. I would encourage you to follow it. And um, and yes, you know, like you said, you mentioned earlier, like when I was ready, these different things that were my teachers appeared. And it's, it's the same for any of us. Like as soon as we say yes to the universe, we're ready. The universe will start bringing us You know, whatever's supposed to be there for our path, and and I just want to say one more thing too about how I work with people is through empowerment. And so, even though you know we start with ninety days and we may keep going after that, I teach my clients things along the way so that they can incorporate them into their own life, into their own practice to make them their own. Because I don't ever want to create a dynamic of dependency. My whole goal in life is empowerment. And so more people will be there, you know, more involved and active participants and creators in their own health and in their own lives. And so like I teach meditation, I teach mindfulness, you know, I can teach some of these other modalities along the way as well. So um, yes, there's that.
0: (laughs) I so appreciate that because it's like that old adage, if you teach a man to fish, then the man can fish for himself, right? You don't have to keep on catching the fish, charging him for the fish and creating this codependence. So I think that's beautifully stated. And one thing I wanted to ask is in your work, have you noticed something that really stands out as like a common theme that you feel like? So many people have this and like, this is, you know, the number one key to kind of unlocking greater healing in among everybody that you've seen, or do you specialize in certain conditions or who you work with?
2: Um, I've been mainly focusing on chronic conditions. And I know that seems really big and broad, but um, just to give it a little bit more context, diabetes is a big one I'm focusing on right now, but I've also helped people with cardiovascular disease on statins, get off of their statins. I've helped people come off with, and and, and again, this is medically supervised, so it's not willy nilly. It is, you know, we're working in conjunction with practitioners, they're medical practitioners also. but, you know, um, I've been, I've seen my patients reverse their hypertension, reverse their diabetes. I, I said I think I said already get off of their statins. Um, and I've seen, you know, my female clients completely balance their hormones and start to feel normal in their skin again, or maybe for the first time ever. Um, so I guess I, if I try to help anyone that comes to me, <laughs> But if you go to my website, you'll see a lot of diabetes language. And the reason I'm doing that is because through the pandemic, I saw what um, a big risk diabetes was for COVID for, you know, poor COVID outcomes, meaning ultimately death, or, you know, even struggling with long COVID. And to me, it's, I, I was mind boggled because diabetes is completely preventable and reversible. I'm talking about type two diabetes. So, and I don't think that's spoken of enough. Like we, and especially in the hospital, like when I see a patient come in, what do we do? We feed them lots of carbs. We call it a carb control diet for diabetics, but it's still, it's pretty high carb. And then we give them insulin for their high blood sugar. If we just fed them less carbs, they wouldn't need so much insulin or maybe not any at all. So so, um, this is something that I have sort, sort of my new mission and my new passion as of late is to really help people understand the whole dynamic of sugar, carbs, protein, fat. How does it work? What does it do in the body? And again, like you have the power to create your health. You can reverse your illnesses with your choices and just helping people make those choices that feel good for them, that are in alignment with them. And along the way, helping them understand how it actually works. That yes, if you eat this fruit, it'll turn into glucose and that'll raise your blood sugar. Yes, if you eat this bread, it'll turn into glucose and it'll raise your blood sugar. Um, So is there a healthy amount? Well, that depends on how high is your blood sugar now and what do you want it to be? So I think that's the other thing, too, that um, I always need to remind my clients of is what we're doing is going to help reverse your inflammation, which will help reverse your chronic illness. But also this, because some people see it as a very limited way of eating, even though I give them like six pages worth of food they can eat. <laughs> When they look at that um, food sensitivity test result, I get eyes this big of, oh my God, look at all these things I can't eat anymore. And then I just bring in the other, but look at this list of all the food that you can eat. Um, But just a reminder that as our body heals, you'll be able to reintroduce foods back in. So unless it's a true allergy, which means you should have hives, itching, rash, shortness of breath, you know, swelling of the throat and tongue. That is true allergy symptoms. If you don't have that, you could have a sensitivity that's helped, you know, spurring on inflammation. We get that dialed back. We allow your body to heal. And then maybe you can reintroduce some of those things back in small doses. And that's what your body can handle. But in order to reverse what's brought you here, we have to give your body that space to start to regenerate itself,
0: yeah, so many gems there. Again, I, I'm trying to <laughs> see what to hone in on. So the first thing I want to mention is the power and um responsibility dynamic. So, when you reclaim your responsibility that your choices were what led or contributed to the diagnosis or disease state, that's when you also have the power to make different choices so that you can reverse that disease state. And there's just a sick, sick codependency currently between the pharmaceutical and, and hospital and the way that we treat diabetes and other chronic conditions where You know, if we say that, okay, it's no one's fault, right, that they got ill, and I'm not saying it is their fault, but it's the lack of education and foundation and access to healthy ways of caring for themselves that became the problem. So we really need to look at those root causes because earlier you said. You know, functional medicine—it really sees so many factors contributing to health, right? As far as bi- body and mind, and all these other socioeconomic, so many factors—not just your physical body—that actually we have to look at because we don't exist in a vacuum, right? And we exist in relationship and in community with other people, and so health is not only a reflection of the individual, but also like where we are, when we are, and what is society doing, and what we have access to, and all of these things, and we all exist in this environment that is unfortunately not contributing to everyone's health, so we have to uncover the global root causes of why so many people are so ill and start to dismantle that. So I think yeah. that's one one piece of the puzzle that we could be addressing.
2: Absolutely. And I'll just say, listen, you know, I was, I, you know, was out there being a normal, like, unaware person for, a, you know, over half my life at this point, I would say, <laughs> uh, you know, so I ate cheese, ice cream, I drank cow's milk all those years and had no idea what it was doing to me. But I actually have an allergy to the casein protein. So I, it is not good for me. And as soon as I discovered that, then I was able to make a choice that was empowering for me. So this is in no way, shape or form about beating up on yourself or judging yourself for, you know, like eating bad or eating unhealthy or any of those things. No, It's just about being aware, and you know, you know Maya Angelou famously said, "When we know better, we do better." And so, I think that that is also a reflection of our self love. And this is an epiphany that I've just had within the last year or so: is that our health is a really a reflection of our self love, and because when we care more about feeling good then we can make those choices like how much do i love myself that i want to feel good today i'm going to take that walk i'm going to eat this spinach whatever it is and knowing that if i drink a soda or if i have a piece of pizza i'm going to feel like crap and the reason i feel like crap is because it's not doing good things for me inside my body it's creating inflammation like That's the connection. And, you know, it's, we're all autonomous beings. We get to make those choices and there's no judgment here from me at all, but my mission is to bring information forward so that people can, again, like I said before, align with and make the best decisions for themselves that feel good so that then they can also like continue to keep feeling better.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I do think it's a systemic issue that people are not as aware. The guidelines, unfortunately, are not very helpful at this point. The access to good food, you know, and and how much things cost, all of these are huge, huge problems. Which is why people don't have the information to make the good choices. But like you said, I think it really is an act of radical self care and self love to take care of your physical body because this physical body is our vessel and it, this is what's gonna help us feel good. And that is the ultimate goal, I think, is just to feel good in your body and in this life um, and and live a self-fulfilling life and feel like you're living up to your potential and not just you know struggling and suffering to get through every day. So I think one more um, point I wanted to make was how you mentioned, oh, you made a simple change, you know, you just uh, got rid of dairy, you got rid of gluten. But I want to point out, even though it sounds simple, it's not very easy to do in our society, because it's, you know, you go to a restaurant, you go to a party, and everybody, you know, thinks it's weird. And you look like the odd person out when you're not eating those things. And it becomes like, you know, you you have to now eat differently from your family or whatever the case is um so how do you tackle that you know for yourself and walk your clients through that
2: so uh for me and and I know this is um similar for my clients it's a it's a new level of awareness in terms of okay if i'm going to eliminate gluten then what am i going to eat instead and what are some substitutes for those things that I do like? Like pasta, I think is a great example. And so there are, uh, for example, there's chickpea options, there's edamame options, there's um, rice and corn options, which are not my favorite, hence the face, but <laughs> they are out there. Spaghetti squash. <laughs> spaghetti squash, an actual vegetable. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, uh, just bringing forward those options. So again, like I said before, I provide my clients with, I really do think it's like six pages worth of foods that they can eat. So when I start saying things like, okay, you know, we're going to lay off any processed or added sugar, anything. So no more, um, white foods, no more white foods. Rice, no more white sugar, no more, really no more brown sugar either. But <laughs> like I still allow honey. Um, you know, no bread, no um tortillas, well, flour tortillas. And so there's lots of no's. People keep hearing the no, no, no. But I promise you there's a huge list. And but one of the other things that I provide is a um a little ebook or handout that has all of the lists of like how sugar shows up on food labels other than just the word sugar. How do um how does gluten show up in the food labels other than the word gluten? So they know what they're looking for um, because it is a sort of unfortunately it's like a scavenger hunt sometimes to figure out, you know, what is in this food. One of the easiest ways to, you know, figure this out is to just eat on the outside aisles of your grocery store. So Go to the produce. And if you're a meat eater, hang out over there in that section. But that's it. Don't go anywhere else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I'm picking up on the IIN crowd out. Sorry, it's a crowding out. Yes. Like crowd out (laughs) the stuff you should not be eating or is not that good for you with things that are so good for you and having such an abundance of that to focus on versus focusing on the lack Um, and scarcity of the things that you're crowding out. And then uh, The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss, right? No white foods, that's just so simple. So on the one hand, you know, making things as simple as possible, but on the other hand, being practical and Mm -hmm. uh, and telling people, you know, about the processed foods and just getting foods without labels is probably your best. But in the first place, Um, or something that your ancestors would recognize, right, and be able to consume in as close to nature's form as possible. So I really love all those tips and all the insight. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey into this integrative energy and functional medicine healing work that you're doing. So I would love to, if you have a minute, to jump into a rapid-fire round with you. Sure, yes. Okay. Awesome. So number one, what is your number one advice for people to improve their quality of life right now? Oh,
2: oh, this is supposed to be rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say take it easy on yourself because we judge ourselves a lot and most of us aren't aware of it. So if we just Every time we look in the mirror and we say something mean to ourselves, just take a pause and respond with something loving. Or um, one of the other ways that is a fun, maybe not so fun, but a very helpful is to do a very short journaling in the morning, write down all your thoughts, thought downloads, and uh, you'll be surprised at the thoughts that you'll start to recognize. And when we recognize and we know our thoughts, then again, that's the choice. We get to change them. And so um, just developing that awareness, but be loving and gentle. I think that's probably could be so powerful and life-changing. Yeah, I'm coming to
0: the same conclusion myself about compassion, right? And and self-belief and self-trust that we talked about. Um, So question number two, what's something surprising about you that most people don't know?
2: I'm originally from East Tennessee. So I am an avid college football fan, go Vols. And um, I also love snow and I'm an avid snowboarder, skier and backcountry athlete, uh, snowmobiling. And we're having a blizzard today in Tahoe. So even (laughs) even on blizzard days, I love being outside and playing in, in nature. Love it. So I think that answers
0: my next question, which is what's your favorite hobby? Unless you have another one.
2: No, it's usually snow sports is my favorite. So even in the summer, I'm looking forward to winter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: If you were to live anywhere in the world, where would it be?
2: Uh, well, right now I live in Lake Tahoe and it's beautiful and I love it. The only other place I could think of is the Italian Alps because that's one of my happy places to go but I haven't been to South America yet in the winter. So that's to be determined, maybe. <laughs> beautiful.
0: Well, well, Dr. Lair, thank you again for such a beautiful episode with so much insightful information that I hope our listeners will appreciate and uh, vibe with. Um, could you just share how to get in touch with you, how to
2: support your work and learn more about you? Sure. My website is drlaramay.com, D-R-L-A-R-A-M-A-Y.com. I can be found on all the socials at Dr. Lara May. So if you want to just reach out on DM, uh, that's a great way to get in touch with me. You can also, um, if you want a direct link to uh, make a discovery call appointment with me, that's Tahoe o c o.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll share all those links in the show notes. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm a huge supporter of the work that you do. So I hope to keep in touch. Thank you so much. It was
1: lovely. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov." Thank you for your support and see you next time.